Hi there, and welcome to Be a Global Citizen, the podcast that explores the concept of global citizenship through the lens of value-creating education. My name is Scott Bauer, and I'm a SOCA researcher and educator. I hope you find the discussions, stories, and insights on this podcast to be valuable and inspiring as we strive to become global citizens who are committed to living a contributive life. The Foster the GC segment is an interview series where I speak with staff, faculty, and facility workers from SOCA University of America, or SUA, about the school's mission statement, which is to foster a steady stream of global citizens committed to living a contributive life. I'm interested in knowing what the unique actions, practices, and mindsets are needed to actualize our mission statement through multiple perspectives and opinions. Being that SUA is a unique institution that has a bold mission statement to be foremost in fostering global citizens, let's begin the conversation around what is happening in this community to foster greater consciousness on global citizenship. On today's episode, I'm very happy to welcome Mary Patrick Kavanaugh to share her views on global citizenship within the context of SUA. Let's get right into the conversation. Enjoy. Okay, well, hello there, Scott. I am Mary Patrick Kavanaugh. I have been a Soka University employee for the last 10 plus years. I think I hit a 10 year anniversary. Uh, probably in November of 2022. And it has been some of the most meaningful work of my life. I felt a deep calling to come to Soka when I first met Soka, uh, when I drove onto the campus. And I'm really excited to talk to you about what it means to be fostering global citizenship and what I call the mothership of all locations to do so with our powerful mission and culture. Thank you so much, Mary Patrick. Uh, What a way to get started with this conversation. There's so much passion in your words. And yes, 10 years, it's a a lot of time. Um, It's been very meaningful time that you spent. Um, You've created many wonderful programs that um, many, many of our students have taken advantage of. And um, there's just lots of exciting prospects and how those programs, I, I believe, really connect to our mission statement, connect to this idea of global citizenship So I'm very happy to hear more about what you have to say on that. Um, Also, I just think that, um, you know, this community that we have here at SOCA is so, so special. And you you refer to it as like a calling, which I find so beautiful. And and I've heard this from other employees that you, um, you know, really believe in the mission. And I, I, I would love to hear more about, yeah, how, again, how that resonates with you. Um, because I think that that inevitably will tie into the kind of, you know, the specifics of the actual work that you you do. So we'll, we'll kind of unpack all of these things in our conversation today. Um, and yeah, and it's been a little while since I've had um, one of the SUA, you know, people on the podcast uh, in this specific series of, you know, of like Foster the GC. So I'm excited to get back into, into this segment because I find it to be very important I find it to be very timely in terms of how we're kind of um, putting putting certain pieces back together and, and evolving through the pandemic um, and having important conversations um, in many different departments. And so this is just one additional way of really in putting things into, you know, into perspective as well as, um, you know, dialogue. Um, it's live. It's happening. So. So thank you. Um, and so that was, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of going on a little bit too long. So I really want to hear you, you know, hear what you have to say 
And so, yes, you've already um, shared about, um, yes, you've been working at SGA uh, at SOCA for 10 years, or maybe just a little bit over 10 years. Uh, congratulations. Thank and you. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to ask, like, um, what what initially brought you to SUA? You said that you had this, like, connection, right? It, right. It just, it made right. sense. So um, what were, like, a few things that kind of led up to you um, hearing about SUA? Uh, and then when you were brought on, um, what was, I guess, the job title? What were they, what were um, you asked to initially do um, 10 years ago? Okay, so it it was a a murky transition because what happened was I had a midlife meetup with a lot of changes in my life. I had a I have a background in private investigation, market research, uh, entrepreneurship. I own my own company uh, called Corporate Information Associates, and we did investigative research, competitive analysis, and. Uh, and just a lot of market research for big companies, Fortune 500, and for some of the consulting firms. And I was very happy to be doing that work. I was being supported by my, I had one daughter and my husband uh, at the time was a, an attorney. So he was a great resource for me as well and had run his own company. But unfortunately, he had cancer and died when my daughter was about 12. And I really lost the heart for running the business at that time. And it was this pretty intense uh, period of recognition about our own mortality. I got a 12 year old and we had the loss of my husband. And very shortly after that, his mother, he was an only child. She was very sick too. It turns out she had cancer. So she came into our home and we took care uh, of both my husband and then three months later his mother and and they passed in our home and so it was a it was a midlife meetup for me on how much longer do I really have to impact the world and where do I want to make my um, largest contribution so I ended up going back and getting a master's program I'd always wanted to write a novel and and uh, got an MFA in creative writing and worked on a novel when my daughter was entering high school at that time. So we were both at school at the same time. And she obviously was going through a big transition as well to be faced with so much death in her young life and to be such a wonderful, loving caregiver. She was um, at that time. So when I graduated, I knew I just wanted to be working with young people. Our home was the home that all her friends came to. I loved having her around and as she was, as I was finishing up school and she was getting ready to go to college, which is a big thing for parents when your kids leave you for college, that empty nest thing is a real thing. Um, I started thinking about wanting to get into higher ed and I did teach for a while. I taught writing at Menlo College and then my brother, Frank Kavanaugh, uh, introduced an opportunity to me because with my background in running businesses and managing businesses I also did a lot of program development uh, for uh, we, I always had a an approach an educational marketing approach to all my business uh, development work and so my brother proposed to me that we start a group down in Southern California called uh, at UCI at their business school. My brother is a very successful serial entrepreneur. He started a number of businesses and had a liquidity liquidity event, they call it, where he, uh, you know, he took his company public. He did very well and he wanted to do something. He, too, was at that stage 
uh, he's a year older than me, that he wanted to give back to the community. So we started a group together. I was in charge of it. I was the executive director of a group called Prosperitas, where he got a bunch of, he started recruiting uh, successful entrepreneurs to come together. And we would look at thought leaders and, you know, social justice and social entrepreneurship and where people were making a big difference in the world and engage these successful entrepreneurs with this work. And I had a particular passion for social enterprise when I discovered there was this category of uh, business called social enterprise. I thought, what the heck is that? And that's where the business at its core has a positive social impact integrated into it. There's all sorts of, you know, my brother was the quintessential capitalist who after being very successful realized he wanted much more than money. He wanted to impact society in a positive way. And I had a small and what I call a boutique consulting firm, which I really enjoyed the work intellectually, but I was missing this passionate calling that I talked about. And I knew that would have to do with working with young people, higher education. So running this program at UCI was really satisfying. And the agreement we made between uh, me and my brother was that I would be able to introduce all these well-heeled and, and um, potential investors in social entrepreneurship to this concept of social enterprise at the UCI Business School. And it was great. We did a lot of incredible programming with these entrepreneurs and UCI liked it because we were bringing people who could be potential donors in areas that they felt passionate about. We also introduced a lot of what's going on at UCI, which is exciting work. It's a research institution and everything from stem cell research to some of the innovative things they were doing in their business school. And for me, it was good to be in Southern California because I had my daughter at UCLA. So I literally had to drive from Northern California and just, you know, hey, everyone, you know, mom's here to take everyone out to dinner. And then I'd go to work and at, with my brother at UCI. And when I was done UCI, I would drive to Dana Point and see signs for this place called Sokey University. And I'm like, so this, you know, there's, we're, we're really well marked, you know, on the freeway. And I was enjoying my work at UCI, but it seemed to lack a certain soul for me. It was intellectual. The social enterprise area wasn't getting the traction I imagined. I thought everyone would see this work where you could, you know, look at solving some of our social issues using business models. I thought everyone would have this great epiphany and want to throw all their money at that. And that's not exactly what happened. So someone said, hey, they knew I had a Buddhist practice, uh, Vipassana Buddhist practice, not the same as the uh, Buddhist practice that is connected to Soka University founders. Um, but they said, you gotta check out Soka because it's got this, it, you know, Buddhist philosophy and it's maybe up your alley. And I just one day thought Soka University and I literally turned off the freeway, drove onto the campus and just was gobsmacked by the beauty and the mission, which is, you know, posted up there. And the fact that I was, I just started walking around and I learned by reading and, and researching that you could name a building after yourself just by having money. You had to be a transformer of society and you had to be impacting peace in some powerful way. And I, I was literally like scratching at the door. I was like, how do I learn more about this? And can we bring this group of entrepreneurs down to Soka University, because I think Soka, which is small, 
small, intimate, has this mission that resonated so deeply really with my soul and where I was in wanting to make a difference. The fact that SOCA brings together young people from all over the world and they're required to live together and learn to work out their issues through dialogue um, was just so powerful. Everything just aligned beautifully. And so my first appointment was with our dear uh, executive director of philanthropy, Linda Kennedy, and who who ushered me up to Archisawa and um, Danny Habuki, our president at that time. And we had a number of meetings, my brother and, and I with, with Danny and Arch. And at some point when I was talking about social enterprise, Danny stopped me and went, tell me more about that. That sounds like something our students would really enjoy. And I did. I went in, I talked about the organization that had inspired me called Ashoka, uh, you know, named after a, a early uh, social entrepreneur and how they funded people who were transforming issues that would break the cycles of poverty all around the world with fellowships. And Danny just said he was less interested in us bringing the group of entrepreneurs over as he was me teaching the students about social enterprise. And that was another like, you care more about teaching the students than you do about bringing potential donors through the door. Not that we don't want potential donors through the door because we do love people supporting our work. So that launched my consulting and I started Soka Changemakers. And you might remember that, Scott, because wasn't it called Soka Changemakers? Yes, it was. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember so that. that. Long-winded, like, how do you end up? It was a consulting gig and I was consulting with, uh, still consulting with UCI and consulting with some uh, private companies back in the Bay Area. But I just started directing all my time, attention, love, efforts to the Changemaker program. Then I rolled out another program. It was a Changemaker speaking, Speakers program. It was around the time our Performing Arts Center opened. And I worked closely with Archisawa there to bring uh, thought leaders, peacemakers, activists onto the stage there. And we started a Changemaker speaker series that has since evolved into critical conversations at SOCA. The Changemakers program for students, uh, since there was an area that was really focused on creating business models, we changed the name to Bridges to Business at SOCA and that's gotten traction has now become its own thing uh, where I have an entire suite of programs that help students develop uh, hard and soft skills related to business because SOCA doesn't offer a business concentration. It's an opportunity for us to build a bridge into the business sector. I just wanna add that I'm, I miss the change maker name because I was a liberal arts student uh, back in the day who wanted nothing to do with business majors, nothing like, ooh, capitalism. And of course my big brother was like, yeah, capitalism. And it was so funny that we had come together to work and we're still working together on areas around social enterprise. Um, because as I started my own business, I thought eh, it probably wouldn't hurt me to know more of these business people. Uh, but there's a way that the term business and business sector is off-putting for uh, liberal arts students who are not all. I mean, I get the students who are interested in business as part of my program. But when it was called change makers, everybody wants to be a change maker. And I think it's a more inclusive term. And it's a good entree into understanding the business world. And there, there's a language of business. You know, we we require our students to study a foreign language. I think for many of us, the business language is a foreign language. 
And if students are open to understanding that sector, even if they want to transform it, because business does a lot of good and business does a lot of, uh, it has a lot of negative impacts too. Uh, but oh, as I always tell the students, everything is a business. If you find one thing in the world that is not a business or doesn't have a business side, please let me know. And nobody's thus far come up with that. So, um, so here I am doing Bridges to Business, overseeing that program, the Critical Conversations program. And because I have this, this consulting job very quickly became a full-time job at SOCA about two years into it because I was doing so much and loving it so much. Uh, and developing a lot of uh, projects and programs, it became a position and I'm the director of special projects, which is vague and wonderful, um, but I consider myself an intrapreneur at SOCA. And instead of an entrepreneur, I look where there's need and a gap and where I can fill it. And the way I wanna create value is by providing a program or some kind of value creating experience where I see a need for the students or the campus community. Wow, thank you so much. Uh, I, I feel like I learned a lot more about uh, you know, your background and, and, and what a journey it's been um, to really find your, your niche, but you have like seen so much of the business world and you have explored in many different other areas and you mentioned like you know, the, the creative writing novel and, and even like, you know, thank you for sharing about, you know, even um, your, your family background and kind of the, the hardships that you, you and your, your daughter really um, experienced, but how all of those things, it just seems like really fit into place moving up until this moment where we find ourselves, um, you know, still working at SUA, um, still with these high ideals of how can we support best support these students to flourish and to be change makers right um mm -hmm. for them to have this perspective on um you know what business can mean um and you know changing paradigms and like applying it so that um you know positive societal good can happen and I, and i think you know you have firsthand experience of what that's been like to see the good the bad and the ugly and then have deliberately chosen i will stay with the good and and then foster that um, through these really exciting programs that you've had i've heard nothing but good things about bridges to business so um <laughs> clearly you are uh doing a great job and you are well loved on the campus and um and so you know i i a question that i want to ask you and it's wonderful that you've been able to share this um, incredible context of like kind of where you came from your background and what you're currently engaged with now um, but yeah, if you can think back on those 10 years, this might be a very difficult ask, but um, is there a particular memory that you uh, really, you really cherish? I mean, it could be like with the launching of a program, it could even be as simple as an interaction that you had with a student or, um, I don't know, there's a lot that you can probably choose from, but um, yeah, would you be able to share like briefly, maybe one particular memory that kind of stands out? It was so interesting when you um, shared that you're going to ask that question. It's been such a joy to reflect on how many moments I have had at Soka University or through my work at Soka that have just uplifted my life or, you know, in a moment. But I, I'll give you one quintessential moment. I'm going to give you two, even though I asked for one, because one involves you. Um, 
but one quintessential moment is early on when it was a change maker program there is a student i worked with whose father was shot dead by police officers in her uh, garage when she was three years old. And I don't know if she, and so some of my memory of this, this was early on in my career, but it was just a powerful moment of Soka synchronicity, what I call Soka serendipity, Soka synchronicity, where all things come together for good, even something so negative and painful. So this young woman wanted to make an impact um, and this is before the big movements in recently with George Floyd and everything. She wanted to somehow develop her career in the area of engaging uh, with police officers to understand the impact that that system had on individual families like her own. So her father was having a mental health incident. The police, and he was African-American, mother white, she's mixed race, and the police came, and, the, and, and despite the fact that everyone's like, it's a mental health, they shot him, he died. Uh, she was there, her sister was there, and while she's, you know, was fuzzy on the memory, I said, well, why don't we make and create an opportunity? I like to teach students how to create, to reach out and talk to other people and do informational interviews. She wanted to work in community policing or with community police. So we, we made an appointment with a police officer who ran the public relations department of community policing in the uh, Orange County Police Department. And when we went to meet with them, I accompanied her and we like framed up what is an informational interview. And I just hung back and, and was witness to this as she shared her story and how she wanted to develop a career path that would impact and transform some of the miscommunication between community and the races and the police force. He just got very quiet and said, I have to share something powerful with you and that I hope this is okay. And he told her that he had killed a man in the line of duty. And this was a, a Caucasian police officer. He had killed an African American man who had a three-year-old daughter or three or four, something the same age. And it was a stunning moment. I mean, literally, I think my neck hairs rose to think that there is this serendipitous moment of restorative justice occurring right before my eyes between someone who had been the uh, just the victim of this violent act and someone who had been the uh, perpetrator of an act that would impact a little girl's life and to see them come together and have this conversation I can't even put words to it it was, it was so powerful. And where it went from there, you know, I don't know for either of them, but it was a moment of connection of the dialogue that we want to teach that was deeply meaningful to me. But that's just like one of so many. And, and briefly, I wanted to share, I don't know if you, you probably do remember, we did a video talking about the culture of care and you were in it with uh, Professor Ian Reed, and you're featured. And it's just to me one of the sweetest because your your interview uh, answer. I think it was like you talking about what Soka meant to you, and just your face talking about how you came and you felt. And I'm going to get the words all wrong, but you you felt you know shy and less confident. But that at that time you were president of the class, right? Was that you, was it your senior year? 
Yes, that's correct. What in that moment of you saying that you embodied the sense of self-assurance and pride and happiness. And I thought every time I see you do that, I think about every student who I have seen go through the, the Bridges to Business Impact-a-thon where they start out with just a social issue that they wanna solve and they end up creating a business model and pitching it. It's like a quick hackathon in three days and you think, they're thinking, how am I ever gonna do it? I every year think, how are they gonna do it? And then they pitch this idea to a panel of entrepreneurs and whether they win or not, that sense of pride and accomplishment that I think is so beautifully reflected in your young face in that video, I get to see over and over again when the students make it through this impact-a-thon. And they, they often want to bail. And I, I will literally, that's a great thing about working for a campus where you can call students and go, just come, just come and have a donut. Just come and wave at the judges. And then they sometimes will step it up and show up and do it just to complete something that's so challenging and get that sense of pride. So I get a bunch of those moments. It's deeply satisfying. Yeah, thank you so much for for sharing those those two memories. And it's so heartfelt, right? Um, and like what you've shared and the way that you shared it. And and I, I don't know, for me, like what, what kind of um, seems to, to be like encapsulating that is like this sense of like deep connection um, and like deeper meaning of like why in, in the case of the, the student that you were talking about um, wanting, like having the courage to confront that that past and look at it from a positive light and to have that sense of restorative justice of, you know, like, no, I'm going to see this through. I, I, want, I want to do this in memory of not only my, my deceased father, but but for many others out there who have experienced similar tragedies and that those families have suffered. And, and in the same way of like seeing things to, through to the end as well with your students um, starting with this idea and then realizing it through a business proposal. Um, it's not easy, but it's, it's worthwhile. And, um, and even just being at a four year, you know, liberal arts college or any college, that's the journey that you may want to like at one point stop or it might be too much and and so I think especially at Soka to see that transformation over a span of just four years and um, feel like you know you've contributed to that um, I think that's wonderful and and so that deep connection I think it ties to our past experiences but it also ties to this broad mission statement that we have here you know of fostering a steady stream of global citizens committed to living a contributive life so I wanted to ask, um, how does that mission statement resonate with you? Um, it's always fun to think back on like when you first heard about it, maybe when you kind of, you know, drove onto campus and, and then met with uh, Linda Kennedy and talked with Danny Hibuki and all these other wonderful people here. Um, was, was there a particular moment when you heard that? Um, and how did you kind of understand it in that, in that time? Yeah, I think... Sometimes when I hear what I call SOCA speak, you know, the mission of SOCA University is to foster a steady stream of global citizens to live a contributive life, um, which, first of all, stunning at SOCA that people know the mission. <laughs> like you go to other university campuses and they don't necessarily recite the mission. So as someone, I have very intentionally chosen where I was going to live most of my life because I wanted, I was raised in a very white neighborhood in Southern California. And 
um, I was always called to travel. I traveled very young. Uh, my aunt, I had one of those wild aunts who took me all around Europe. And then I, you know, even pregnant, I traveled all through Asia alone. And I, I just like being with people who are different than me. And then of course I started learning that there's like groups of people who are so different than me just in various communities. And it was important for me to raise my daughter in Oakland, but it's, but you find even in diverse communities that people stick to their own people. I mean, if you go, my daughter taught at Berkeley High School and it's it's got every kind of person there, very diverse community. But if you go into the lunchroom, everyone sticks together with their, you know, we've got the Latino kids, we've got the black kids, we've got the white kids, we've got the Asian kids. And so they've worked intentionally to, to mix up the campus there and I, I think what I was called with our our campus is that we I know it happens it's human to want to find people who are like you and I think that's cool because I think we actually are doing more of that now with our affinity groups and I think that's important but I loved that um, because I had to work at having a mixed race friend group and even in Oakland like my we lived in a we lived in Oakland in Piedmont area it was kind of a white and Asian school community but we chose to worship in the flatlands of Oakland that had a much more diverse community. And so I could build relationships there, but I find to, that, that you have to be intentional about creating a diverse group of people. And Soka's doing that. They're creating this microcosm in the world that is so diverse, culturally, country, socioeconomically, I mean, like on every level. And so of course we're gonna be just a hot mess on some levels of human behavior. And we shouldn't even, we shouldn't expect that we won't have the same issues that every other community has. Cause you know, you and I both have witnessed our community go through some really, really different um, changes and disruptions, uh, especially in the last couple of years. And so the fact that Soka intentionally and our founder has wanted to create this mothership of this, this, this laboratory of global citizenship for us to work in is powerful. And we have a mission that we, when things fall apart, we can look to, and it does, it can fall apart between two colleagues I and mean, people are behaving badly and you're like, wait a minute, what's our mission here? What is our, and then let's, when you have a higher ideal, even if it's only aspirational and you know, we're, let's, let's at least aim in that direction, it's powerful. And I think when we had struggles on our campus, of, uh, you know, a few years ago, we were able to all focus the lens on what is our mission here. And then I think you have to break our mission down more. Like when I read Daisaku Ikeda's speech at Columbia College, where he really broke down what it means to, what wisdom, courage, and compassion means around the wisdom to understand the interconnectedness, the courage not to fear or deny differences, the compassion to have an imaginative empathy toward people you don't understand. That was, uh, that was just, heart opening, mind opening and instructive to me to really live and and approach everything I do at Soka with that. I just don't think, you know, I, I always say to people, it feels like I'm drinking the Kool-Aid in Peace Lake sometimes because I, I feel so uplifted by our mission and our work at Soka. But it I also want to say I see every problem that I see in other communities there. I just like the way well, we are aimed toward peace 
dialogue, connection, cross-cultural communication and understanding, because I think it gives it gives me hope. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that. And I think it's, yeah, it's the way that you conveyed this mission statement and connected it to diversity, uh, clearly you've, you've thought a lot about this before and you've experienced it more importantly, um, and this continuity between your, um, you know, your life in Oakland, uh, raising your, your daughter, your, all the travels that you've been, and then having, uh, you know, the, your, 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 your time here, um, just kind of, it's, it was informed by so much of like what preceded it. And I'm curious to know how, like, you know, the way that you're talking about diversity and then, you know, specifically the program that bridges to business, like, um, how has it been forming this, this, um, this program of like welcoming, you know, such diversity of students from different walks of life? Like, how, how does that kind of mesh with your, your current work of like fostering, you know, this diversity and then like it's like diversity comes in and then what global citizens just pop out of that like um can you like open the top of this this box and and speak more about like what that process has been like for you yeah i think it's always very lofty to think you know everything when you think global citizenship i mean we're we're having to learn about very different cultures and communities because for instance right now i have a cohort that i'm working with this spring semester, it's 10 students from seven countries. Very, very typical for SOCA, right? I've, I've uh, worked with professors on campus on some learning clusters where I, I do the experiential learning side with them. And we've had 10 students from 10 countries. So there's that piece of it. But I think when I think about global citizenship in a very a, a more simplistic way, like how can we be global citizens at SOCA? And for me, my programs have to engage people and create a sense of connection and belonging. So if I'm working with SOCA students, I will really, I mean, we have people who have all sorts of different personalities, but I want to make them feel the sense of connection and belonging, because when you have that, I think it strengthens people to, to, to act on behalf of the whole um, in a better way. And so I have, a you know, like I have these secret rules that I keep, to, they're not necessarily secret, but I have a rule of three. So any program that I work with, especially if it's a critical conversation, or if it's a, I make sure that there are at least three partners, me, my, whatever my area is I'm working, if I'm working under, you know, the umbrella of Archisawa's office for critical conversation, then I'll look to a faculty member or a student organization, rule of three, or a community organization and um, an expert faculty member in a class or something, because I think that's global citizenship, the interconnectedness of all life. I'm not just going to have, in fact, more and more as we grow, I, I'm less interested in putting on interesting programs than putting on programs that more, more successful connect our community and with the SOCA students like fostering what an interesting term like many SOCA students have never heard of this film called The Sound of Music have you heard of it very famous American musical with Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer about a former nun who becomes the stepmother to the sea captain's children in World War II it's based on a true story but I saw that movie when I was a kid and she, and she's, I mean, if I could sing to and get children to sing all the time, but I was so moved by her 
taking care of all these children and always thought I'd grow up and have so many children because I, you know, I was a little girl when I thought that is so cool that she brought love back into this life of these kids who's, who, who felt so disconnected because they lost their mom. So when I think of fostering, <laughs> that's so good. I mean, I don't see myself as a mother figure to the students, but I see them all as my children. And so I have this deep sense of love for the SOCA students uh, because I'm so impressed that they're coming from all over the world. How scary that they know two, three languages. Some of them are first gen. I mean, the experiences of our students are so unique and challenging and interesting. And so I feel a tremendous sense of protection as a foster parent would because their parents aren't there. Some of my students have lost their parents, both parents and have been orphaned. And so, and that informed their life in a way that uh, gave them a calling to do work that I want to support. So I think the global citizenship uh, nomicur applies on so many levels. Like, yes, we want to have this cross-cultural communication, but sometimes I just want to have communication within our campus groups. It can be isolated and siloed, and sometimes I want to have it between my group of 10 who's doing a workshop and understand each other, and maybe they make friendships. Yeah, we're small and everybody knows each other, but do you really know each other? No, we really don't know each other. I mean, I love when I get to meet a new colleague because I'm on a project, because what do I know about them other than their title and their effectiveness at work? So it's all, that's all global citizenship to me. Wow, I, I love that. And I feel like you answered like the like the next couple of questions through <laughs> that response, because again, you, that's you showing like in your work capacity, what you are doing to foster global citizens. I mean, you, you broke down what, what global citizenship means to you, the, the kind of intrigue around this word of fostering. And so I, I, I take away from, from all that you've said, like the importance of, um, Yes, perspective taking, but really this like more engaged um, process of um, empathy. Maybe this is the imagines of empathy, but the framework that you you suggested that that you implement um, with all of your pro, uh, programs with like the, the kind of the, the trio and kind of always having you know this kind of um, influx of, of perspectives and differences um, informing one and the other. I think is so important, um, yeah. and yeah, it's 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 it's. It's really beautiful and i i also really love how you you speak about your your relation to um students um and and giving the example of the sound of music i mean uh, I, I love it when yeah when you can actually put an example to it because for those of you you know listening who have seen that movie before yeah it's very evident that this kind of like um uh, yeah, this outpouring of, of love and concern and attention that um, that central figure has for this this family and how um, that creates the belonging, right? The, the 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 trust, the security of like, you know, you can venture out from here knowing that I'm behind you, I, I have your back, mm -hmm. and I think that um, that is just so crucial with when it comes to the fostering of of these global citizens, right? the kind of, um, you know, guide rails that are mm -hmm. not to like suffocate, but to just help and inform and be there as a support. So I just thought that the way you phrased all of that was just very lovely. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, and I appreciate that. Um, and so I only have really one more question before we wrap things up. 
Um, and I feel like you probably touched upon this um, in, in you know, your responses, but maybe as like a kind of like a final thought, maybe you can share a little bit more uh, about how as a community, you know, we can further this goal of fostering global citizens. Um, is there something that, um, you know, you would suggest for us to kind of keep more at the forefront in our actions, um, just again, and how we live the mission statement? You know, I have a pet project right now I'm working on with the cross campus um, committee or working group, we're calling it, where we're connecting the dots. I, I, to me, it's important that we look at Soka University, this microcosm of humanity, um, and look at the systems we've created and how they're serving the greater community in align. Are they in alignment with our mission statement? And so right now I'm working on something called the career readiness hub. Yeah, we have career services. Yeah, we have B2B, but we have faculty and staff and HR and the library. We have all these potential ways that our students can be held and supported to get ready for a job because this is an issue in higher ed now. You're paying a lot of money for uh, education and what is the pathway into, are you developing the core competencies that you need to be employed? So we're, I'm working with our Dean of Faculty, our Dean of Students, our Career off, our career Development Office, our Chisawa's Office, our alumni to create a global network that supports our students in building a bridge into a successful career path. And that feels like more deeply meaningful work um, systemically than I've done across campus. Yes, I've done events that have been interesting and connected campus momentarily, but now we are working together, mapping out this system, this net that will then uplift and bounce our, our you know, our grads into more uh, successful paths to a career. I mean, it's a complicated, there's so much to say about career readiness, but it's meaningful to me that I'm working across campus. So I think we have seen on our campus that we need to work more closely together in understanding and, and, and yes, it's important that we support our students, but we have to support each other as staff and faculty as well. And to create a culture of connection there and belonging and not see each other siloed and you know working across cross purposes and i think we can do that the example i shared with you is innocuous and he seems pretty simple but we could probably look at other networks around campus but it allows me to feel like from a systems level i'm i'm being a global citizen in a way that will then catapult all these little points of light all over the globe that they'll be taking their soca education and our faculty i mean the work they do individually is so powerful as you know more than anyone else right so interesting and a lot of times we don't even know that because they're working with students and in isolation and in um just they, they have such amazing experiences. So, so, so being able to connect those dots more, but for us to just look at being global citizens internally, I think is a powerful focus for me anyway, right now. Yes, thank you. And I think that just speaks to how everyone, not just the students um, that has been mostly our focus, right? In our conversation, but the staff and faculty have this um, responsibility of of being global citizens as well, right? That we are part of the same community. And it only makes sense that to foster a global citizen, right? You should have, you know, you know, certain qualities, certain 
um, elements of global citizenship to impart upon them. And I think it's very evident in what you've shared in your life experiences, your career, the work that you're currently doing, that you are that person, Mary Patrick. You have been, you have always been that person. And um, I, I love that I was able to hear about all of, uh, yeah, like your journey, your career journey up until the moment when you decided to veer off uh, of the freeway to, to see SUA for the first time. And it's been 10 years that you've been working at SUA, but I, I just feel that we're very fortunate to have you and that this is the culmination of, of your work and that you are still advancing with um, these like bigger, more ambitious um, yeah, initiatives to have our students be set up for their careers and, you know, this sense of, you know, purpose and meaning in their lives, because yes, we are the microcosm, but the, the hope is that that spreads, that, that circle of, in, that, that sphere of influence expands um, to our city here in Alicia Viejo, mm -hmm. Southern California, the U.S. and beyond. So um, I just, you know, really want to thank you for for sharing your thoughts. Um, and I, I really enjoyed our conversation. And yeah, I'll, I'll leave the, the final words to you before we, we wrap things up. No, I just want to say thank you. I, I like seeing you sitting there. Are you up in Curie Hall with a beautiful backdrop? And I love the fact that you're here and elevating our mission and our story uh, for so many people. I love listening to your podcast. I feel deeply honored that you chose me as a guest. And um, no, now I'm going to go work with my brand new little global citizen. I can hear her in the background. She's four months old and uh, she inspires me. I think about, uh, you know, I have this new grandbaby and I think about the work I'm doing at Soka and I, it just gives me hope. I mean, we could have another conversation just about the, the partnership we have with the nuclear, excuse me, the um, Nobel Peace Institute. There's so, there's so much going on at Soka that is so big. Uh, that we're working in these areas. So I, I did stay focused more on, on my area, but I just, you know, I just want to acknowledge Soka University and all the people who have done so much in the last, uh, it's been more than 22 years, even though that's maybe our anniversary, but to create this institution that will outlive all of us, that's got this focus on peace uh, human rights, sanctity of life, dialogue, value creation. Uh, it's just, it's a great place to work, not without its problems, but a great place to work. So thanks for elevating the story with your podcast. Thank you so much, Mary Patrick, for sharing this incredible journey of yours, how you found yourself to be at SUA and how for the past 10 years, um, you have really been con contributing so much to this culture of global citizenship that we have here and how the programs that you have developed and the kind of larger um, network and influence that you, you bring to our community is really setting our, our, our students up to be global citizens, high impact for social good. And uh, I really felt that um, you know, your passion and the kind of heart that you bring into um, the work that you do is just so um, amazing and that we're very fortunate to have you within our community. And so uh, thank you so much for really speaking to the mission statement about the importance of diversity, how this diversity can um, lead to difficult conversations, 
and but allow us to really grow tremendously to be this ideal of the microcosm that thus expands to the macrocosm of really what does it mean to support one another to be uh, unified, uh, united, and uh, to work towards really making the world a better place. So thank you so much once again.